Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're taking you inside the mind of a man. This is How Men Think, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Christopher Palaha. You may know me from Lifetime's Buried in Barstow or Hallmark Christmas movies, Life Unexpected, Ringer, North Shore, Wonder Woman 1984, the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion. And I'm so happy to be guest hosting How Men Think. I'm going to answer all your questions and try to help you understand how men think. But first, this is 11 Questions with Christopher Palaha. Let's get into it. One, what are you known for? Tell us about yourself. Um, I think I'm known for... I'm obviously I'm an actor, uh, so I think I'm known for being an actor. But I think more than that, I'm known for being a kind of a family man. Um, I'm married. My wife and I have been married for 19 years. Going, uh, actually, we're celebrating our 19th anniversary this week, and we have three beautiful, healthy boys um, who are now men, basically. Um, but but aside from that. Producing a family, I've been I've been making TV shows and movies for the past 21 years. I just got into directing, so I can now call myself a filmmaker. So that's kind of a bit about myself. Um, so who are you in your personal life? Um, who I am in my personal life is very similar to who I am in my public life. Um, I am a pretty patient person. I would have to call myself a kind person. I'm a person who's pretty slow to anger. I don't really lose my cool. Um, I do have different hats that I have to wear. Like as an actor, I, I, I live in a world where uh, I am a celebrity to some people and I get you know lifted up into, into a stratosphere of social sort of significance that that my job affords me, but that I don't do anything about personally. So I think in the sense that there's a exterior sort, you know, sort of in the marketplace life where I'm in the public space and I'm moving about, and then I get to just lose all that energy when I'm home with my wife and kids. Um, so there's a bit of a dichotomy there. Three shows. 
that I'm currently binge watching. All right, my wife and I like to, at the end of the day, kids are in bed, homework is done, all the house chores are finished. We get to, we get about an hour and a half every night. Um, on a really good day for her, I will rub her feet and we will watch shows. We binged Dope Sick, which is incredible, starring Michael Keaton. We Crashed with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto. And Dropout with Amanda Siegfried. Those are things that we, those are literally the last three shows that we just been watched. Um, all right, question number four. What is my favorite food? I, you know what? I used to be fancy about my favorite foods, but I got to be honest with you. My favorite food is a good old fashioned cheeseburger. I like a cheeseburger from Shake Shack. I like a cheeseburger from a place called Laurel Tavern in the Valley. And I was just in France and I asked for cheeseburgers and people made fun of me. And it was the, they were the best cheeseburgers I've ever had in my life. Like the meat was so tasty and good. And so I think cheeseburgers, it's a safe bet. Anywhere you go, you get a good one. Uh, number five. Tell us about your career. Well, my career has been really blessed and good. I've had 21 years of, of affording my life by only acting. I've only ever been an actor. Um, I've never had to do other jobs to make it. So in that way, it's been really blessed. And I've also been the kind of actor where I can go to the grocery store and shop with my kids and not be bombarded. I've been with some people who... Um, I worked with a guy who was really famous and everywhere we went, I mean, we're talking like the hot tub. We're talking the, you know, anywhere we went, like anywhere, everywhere. People were like, Hey, you're so-and-so from that so-and-so thing. And I asked him one day, I was like, how does that feel like when you're with your family? And he's like, Oh, it's crazy, man. He's like, I'm always kind of having to, and I've watched intense scrutiny that, that fame brings and um, I've been saved from that, at least while my kids have been young. And so I've had this really cool thing where I've been able to be a father, able to be a husband, able to be a provider, and still have probably one of the best jobs in the world, which is, you know, pretending to be other people and entertaining people and, and uh, getting to make people laugh and cry. My career has included television and film. And recently um, I got into co-writing a romance series called Moments Like, oh, it's called From Kona With Love, but um, they're books. And the first one, which has been published and is out and available right now, is called Moments Like This. And the second book will be available at Barnes and Nobles and everywhere the books are sold, uh, October 11th. That's called Where the Sun Rises. And we're going to write three more in the series, so it'll be a total of five books. And these are romance. This is a the romance. This is a family saga that all takes place on the Hawaiian islands. So each book is a different island, and we're turning the first book into a movie. Um, yeah, and I just recently got into directing. I did, a, I did a short film called The Work of Art that was just screened at Cannes Film Festival. So exciting, fun stuff. Um, number six, what is my biggest fear in life? Oh, what is my biggest fear? Man. It's not, it's losing people. It's it's the death of people that I love. That's my biggest fear. And I think the best way to, to describe that fear for you is that um, when I was a boy, I would weep hot tears every time my mom or my dad left, whether they dropped me off at Little League or 
they'd bring me home from school and they had to run an errand real quick, I would start to cry because I was terrified and convinced that they were going to die in a terrible car wreck. And then that was it. And the only way that I was able to overcome that was to like, in my mind, visualize, well, what next? Okay, so they die. And then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? And see their death all the way through um, to the end. And uh, I think that would be, I think my biggest fear. And the, and the problem with that fear is unlike the fear of spiders or heights or sharks or uh, inevitably it's going to come to pass for me uh, on every level. So that's, I think it's a, it's a constant awareness of that. Um, okay. Number seven, what is my biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve, probably rude people market, you know, like at the grocery store, people who cut you off in traffic, which takes a minute to recalibrate and not get angry. Um, what makes me the most happy? My wife and my kids make me most happy. Just being able to be, hear them laugh, be around them, you know, that's always the best. Anytime with them. What is your ideal Saturday morning? Well, goes back to number eight, most happy. Uh, my wife and I will be sleeping and our kids will just dogpile us and we'll all just be laying in bed in that moment where there's nothing to do and you don't have to get up. There's no, there's no school to drive anyone to and no work to do. And that's like a perfect Saturday morning. Uh, number 10, are you more of the athlete or the armchair quarterback? I'm like 100% more the athlete. I like to run a lot. I'm very active. I ski. Um, like every time I go to a new city, the best way around it is to jog early in the morning. Um, so I think the athlete and then what keeps me motivated? Um, I have a lot of goals that I've set for myself and I feel like until I can meet those, uh, that keeps me motivated. There's stories that I want to tell. There are things I want to accomplish as an artist. Um, there are things I want to accomplish, you know, financially and, and I want to see my kids, you know, go up and grow up and do well. And so those things keep me motivated. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. 
the iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Ellie. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Good. Do you have a question about how men think? Uh, Well, I'm single. I'm trying to get out there in real life. And rather than relying on dating apps, do you think it's strange to meet a girl out alone at a bar? I mean, I think it depends on the bar. I think it depends on the night. I think it depends on the time of night. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, things you got to weigh into that question. But no, I think a bar is a social, it's a, it's a town, it's a public meeting place. It's where people go to, you know, to have a drink and to talk to other human beings. I think that's what bars were designed for. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age, I'm 45. And so the whole thing of meeting people online was always an anathema to me. Like I, I never thought about using the internet to meet anybody. So there's a whole generation of people where that's the normal, you know, status quo, but it used to be, you had to go to church, meet single people at church, or you went to a bar, you meet single, you know, or you go jogging or any public place. So I don't think it's weird at all. Okay. I just didn't know if that looked kind of tacky, but you know, there's not too many routes unless you're going to go on the online dating, which I was trying to avoid. So yeah, I appreciate the advice. Thank you. I mean, I think if you sip, if you sip modestly throughout the course of the evening, you know, if you're like 10 drinks in, it might be a little, uh, <laughs> might say something about you. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Hi. So what's your question? Okay, so my boyfriend and I decided to abstain before marriage. And we've had this agreement for about five years. But lately, I've had a change of heart. (laughs) And I'm just wondering if maybe we need to see if we're a good fit before we get married. Right. I don't know how to bring this up to him. Wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> First off, let's unpack the fact that it's been five years. That's a long time. Um, are you yeah. guys engaged to be married? Are you going to get married? Are you? Yeah, we're engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're waiting. So it's we're not getting married in the next month. You know, we're planning. So. Right. I mean, my mm-hmm. first gut instinct is to say you've waited this long. You know, there's something like. I think, okay, first off, are you, have you abstained? Are, are both of you virgins? Have you both abstained your whole lives? Or were you guys active prior to dating and then made a choice after you started dating to sort of abstain? Like, where did the, the choice for purity come in? Um, so not in my younger, younger years, but um, we both converted and we decided that we were going to abstain. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really interesting conversation. I think that if you are like, for example, if you're a Christian and you've made the decision to abstain for religious purposes, it's because you're in a relationship with God in as much as you're in a relationship with this other person and you want God to have, you know, you want your relationship to 
you know, you want to have purity in that. You want to have favor in that. You want it to, you want to be doing the things that are, that are right according to your faith. And so that you can do things that are right according to the, to the faith within that relationship. Um, you know, for example, my wife and I waited, she was a virgin before we got married. I was not. Um, but when I met her, I made the decision to wait with her. Um, and in a weird way, like when you believe in God and when you like, it, I imagine, did you guys, are you, did you convert to Christianity? Is that what you guys converted into? Yeah. Okay. So like when you believe in the Christian narrative, all of a sudden you believe that God really does have a personal interest in all aspects of your life. And he cares about your, your sex. He cares about your health. He cares about your relationships. And that's in, re- in relationship to him, to God, but also to each other. Specifically, when you bring Jesus into the conversation and how he loved people and how we're supposed to love people like him. So I think that, I think that since you've waited and since your intentions are to get married, I would just keep waiting, even though that's this idea of, is he going to be a good fit or not? Because having been somebody who didn't wait, like I had a girlfriend and we weren't awesome on the front end, but you learned to kind of, you learn to work with each other and, you, you know, like chemistry, right. you build, you build yeah. chemistry. Like there isn't really a bad fit. And I think, and I think that's kind of where, you know, you, you walk in faith and you say, you know, Lord, I've been really waiting for this person and hopefully your, your sex life is blessed. And I think that's a part of being in a healthy marriage is, you know, like, figuring out what that relationships looks like and and how often do you do it and and there's something about we live in a world that's very very um it's not it's not that it's confusing it's confusing if you're a christian because you're looking around the landscape you're going like wow it's like everything's wide open but there's this god put stop signs for humans because if you blast through the stop signs and you start speeding it could just get dangerous but it's dangerous for your heart you know what i mean Mm-hmm. And so I think if yeah. you, if you slow down a little bit and you take it how it was meant to be designed, which is it's, I believe that sex is like a taste of heaven. I believe it's like, it's intensely pleasurable and God wanted us to be designed that way. You know what I mean? So that we can have yeah. this incredible experience while we're here on earth before we die. And in the, and in the, you know, if it's between a man and a woman, then you get to make a baby, hopefully, and you get mm-hmm. to start your family and there's all sorts of things that come out of it. Um, when we have sex just out of sheer, you know, for sheer pleasure, I think what you'll find ultimately, regardless of whether or not you ascribe to the Christian narrative, if you're just a person, it's like a drug. We burn through that. And before you know it, you need more and more and you need different and you need. And so you kind of like, and so it, it does get a little dangerous. And I think that, okay. you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's my personal opinion. You called yeah. the guy, you called this guy today to ask this guy the question. <laughs> So how this man thinks, I think since you've honestly waited five years, I also think you should get yeah. married pretty quick. Like, I think you guys should go ahead and just tie the knot. <laughs> Thank you. I know but we should probably just at, not wait to get married. <laughs> but also look at like, why are you wanting, so almost ask yourself the question, like, why are you considering, why do you think now after five years you want to introduce sex into your relationship? And is it because you've hit a bump? Is it because you're kind of like, you're feeling it's dry. And then maybe that's a question you got to ask yourself, like, is he the guy that you're supposed to be with? And then what's beautiful about waiting is if he's not, then the next person comes in. And if you guys have both waited, then you, you're still fresh for each other. You're still, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know. 
I don't know. So should I should I still bring it up to him and say like, hey, I've had these thoughts and maybe it's something we need to look into, not in terms of us having sex before getting married, but if it's something between us. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's I think it's always important to have a really open dialogue with your significant other. I think yeah. that's the best. That's the that's the, that's you know, a relationship is all about conversation. It's about honest conversation and say like. You know, I've been having this feeling, but I wonder if it's because I'm wanting to like bridge something or I feel a gap and I'm trying to fill this gap or I'm, I feel you slipping away or I'm a little, I'm starting to slip away and I'm, I, I need more connected right. to you. And, you know, maybe that's where the heart of it is. And maybe it's not about, you know, sex is fun, but it's, it's ephemeral. It's quick and it's done and it's, then you're, and then you're still stuck with whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Amy. Thanks for calling on. All right. Thank you. Hi, Claire. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So did you call with a question? I did. All right. What is your question, Claire? Well, my question is, I have been married for 10 going on 11 years. Marriage is great. Thank you. I know, right? I'm pretty, I mean, I feel like in today's a big deal. Age, yeah, yeah. It's state of yeah. California. That's a huge milestone. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, and we are very happy and we have two amazing kids. One is six and one is eight. Okay. And I am feeling really frustrated right now because I feel, I feel, and I know, I know it's not just a feeling. I know that I am always the disciplinarian. My husband always resorts to whatever your mom says go ask your mom. Did you talk to your mom? And I need him in order for our kids to not see us as good cop, bad cop. I need him to be more firm with the kids, Yeah. but I, I don't want to make him feel like he's not being a good parent because he is a good parent. So I would love some advice on how to have that discussion with him without, you know, making it sound like I'm the bad cop and he's the good cop every time. Right. Claire, yes, you are your 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 desire for for equity uh, regarding discipline is 100 percent justified. Um, What's your husband's name? Is that okay to ask him? Yeah, it's Thomas. Thomas. So you'd say, hey, Tom, like, I think have you had the conversation with him about, hey, this feels unfair and you make me feel like the bad cop and you get to be the good cop. Have you had that conversation yet? Uh, I've teetered around it. But the couple of times I've brought it up, I feel like he has been like, I think his reaction is just, oh, you're overreacting. Oh, like, that's not true. Like, I think he's kind of in denial. I don't think he really realizes that he does it as much as he does. It's always go ask your mother. What did your mother say? You know, what would your mother think? Whatever your mother says, you know, and I don't, I mean, I notice it, I think more because it's, he's you know, it's me. Yeah, like he's, he's, he's deflecting everything onto you. Yeah. Her, okay. So my wife does this wonderful thing where she goes on strike. She's like, okay, I'm just not going to, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't value the fact that I do laundry, like here, you, you do it for a week. And it really drives home the message pretty quick where I'm like, Oh, I really do appreciate this. Like, this is kind of amazing. Or wow, you are really helpful with the kids or this. So I wonder what would happen if you, instead of, okay, so if the conversation is hard to have, and if he's not as receptive to the conversation, I wonder what would happen if you, for a period of time, deliberately made the decision to just deflect all of it onto Thomas and be like, whatever your father says, you do what your father says. And then all, and like, 
trump him in being the good cop. Basically, I just love like, this idea. Yes. Yeah, and actually, like, you know what? It's not, yes. it's not my issue. It's daddy's issue. Go talk to daddy about it. And like, let him see what happens when you just dump everything into his lap. You know, this might actually work out well because my mom is coming into town next week. <laughs> so there'll yes. be like two days where I'm going to be doing some things with her. And I think I just won't be as available anyway to my kids. So if I kind of couple that with, you know, for a few days, kind of, I, yes. I like this. I like this. I like, Hey, mom's going to be in town. I'm going to be super busy for the next few days. I really need you to kind of take, take over daddy duty with the kids. You know, like Claire, I need you to, I, if, yeah. if you really want my opinion on this, I think you should front load it with this decision. So like three days before your mom comes into town, I would start the strike and then okay. let the, let it crescendo. So when she's there, you're like, babe, I'm with my mom. Like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm, 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 I'm so he's already feeling it by the time your mom gets there. Oh my gosh. I love If I ever meet so Thomas, much. he's going to be like, you son of a gun. Why'd you give her that advice? Here's what I am going to say to you though, Claire. Um, yeah. Know that relationships are long-term investments and discipline is the most incredible way to show love because we don't get to discipline everybody in our lives. Like there's only a few people that we get to discipline and who will listen to us and chart and change the course of their lives. And that input you're giving into your kids like, even though it's frustrating and it might feel unfair and it might feel like you're always being the bad cop, it's going to bond you guys in a way that in truly he's missing out on that experience. And so for him as a man, like, I wish I could talk to him because there's nothing like a father's love and you have to be like a part of that love. The fullness of that love is being able to speak into somebody else's life and say, listen, for your own good, you should stop doing this. Or for the respect of the relationship with your mother, you need to stop talking to her like that. Or you got to stop eating candy because it's going to hurt your body and your blood sugar and you might get diabetes and get sick. Like there's, there's, he's missing out on a really essential part of being a father. And I, you know, it's crazy you say that because my dad was very much a disciplinarian and I hated it when I was younger and I grew to respect him so much. And I have such a close relationship with both my parents, but like, yeah, but yeah, you know, if my dad wasn't that way, I don't think I would have respected him as much as I do now. So yeah. that's a really and good also, And also talk to him though, too, because maybe, I mean, maybe he has really awful memories of being you know, maybe what you don't know is that his dad had a terrible temper or his mom had a terrible temper when he was really little and maybe he's shell shocked and doesn't want to trigger. So maybe he, you know, he's guarding your kids from a terrible temper that we don't know about. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that about Thomas. I'm just saying, look at it from every angle and say, well, why aren't you doing that? Like, why aren't you digging in? Because it's, it really is a, a, a part of parenthood, you know, being a disciplinarian is a part of the job and it's, it really does like, you know, like I can't imagine not like I just I, I just want, I like being able to say, hey, guys, and having my kids listen to me because they're afraid <laughs> of me, not, not my wife, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. not afraid, but respect. Right. Should I talk to him before the strike, like try to talk to him and then like pitch the strike idea or say, hey, listen, this is this is what I think I really want to do. I think it's going to help us. This is what's up and kind of do the strike. And then after my mom leaves kind of reconvene then, with, you know, like, how was the last week? How are the kids? How are you feeling? Yeah. I kind of yeah. like the strike idea first. Yeah. It gets a sense of what you really understand and what you go through and like what you're dealing with. And then just talk to him and say, can we unpack this together? Like, what are you afraid of? Why don't you like to, you know, is it reflective of your childhood? Is it like, and then say, you know, you're missing out on, because it really does. I think like there is something special about being able to speak into somebody's life 
and and correct in the right way you know like it's it's a part of it absolutely this is great i'm actually kind of excited to almost do this experiment and kind of see what happens i do think when you don't have something you do learn how much you appreciate it so i think him not having me as the scapegoat for the week. And, yeah, uh, and I didn't mention, but we have two boys. So I do think yeah. it's just yeah. so important for him to be present in their lives as the yeah. disciplinarian. So yeah. I'm all for this. I'll have to, I feel like I need to report back and let you know. I, how wanted, goes. I was going to say, Clary, I got to find out some, some way we'll, we'll figure out. I want to hear how it goes. <laughs> we'll connect again. Thank you so much. All right, Claire. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to black women the way we lean on our mothers our grandmothers our sisters our friends we're just each other's pulse i mean it's molecular you know listen to the bright side from hello sunshine on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i never thought i'd take my three young kids to sicily to solve a century-old mystery but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which is morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. You guys, this has been Christopher Palaha. It has been my joy and pleasure guest hosting How Men Think. I hope that I had some reasonably good advice. I hope people haven't been throwing their phones across the room in disagreement. Um, please be sure to check out on Lifetime only on Lifetime, buried in Barstow. And if you miss it, June 4th, Saturday night, you can always stream it. And then, of course, you got to look for Wyatt Huntley in Jurassic World Dominion, storming into theaters worldwide, June 10th. Uh, until next time.
This is How Men Think, an iHeartRadio London audio production. Listen each Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care and we'll see you there.